Hello and welcome. You're listening to Writers Aloud, a podcast brought to you by writers for the Royal Literary Fund in London. Hello and welcome to episode 437 of Writers Aloud. In this episode, Lottie Mogach speaks with Catherine O'Flynn about following in the footsteps of a novelist parent, the joys of plot and research, the experience of diving into writing historical fiction, and how to answer when someone asks you what you do. Lottie Mogach has published three novels, which have been described as literary thrillers. Her debut, Kiss Me First, published in 2013, explored what social media is doing to our sense of identity and real-life relationships. It was shortlisted for the Guardian First Book Award, won the Portsmouth First Fiction Award, and was adapted into a six-part series for Netflix and Channel 4. Her second novel, Under the Sun, was set in southern Spain during the 2008 financial crisis, when expats trapped in unsellable villas clashed with African migrants, desperate for a new life in Europe. Brixton Hill, published in 2020, focused on a prisoner nearing the end of a life sentence. It was adapted and broadcast over two weeks on Radio 4's Book at Bedtime. Before turning to fiction, Lottie had a 20-year career in journalism, specialising in arts and literature. In recent years, she has taught an undergraduate course on the short story at Royal Holloway, University of London, and been a guest of the Arvon Foundation. Her current undertaking is a historical novel set in late Victorian-era Camden Town, the area where she grew up. She still lives close by with her husband, son, dog and tortoise. I spoke to Lottie in a well-appointed shed in the garden of her London home. Hello Lottie, thanks for talking to me. It's a pleasure, lovely to meet you. Yes, you too. Um, so I normally, I'm always interested in the kind of um, homes that writers grew up in. Did they grow up in houses with books and that kind of thing? I mean, I guess given that your mother is a writer, the answer is probably yes. But I was wondering how important were books and reading in your childhood? Or were you more into the TV? Did you write stories as a child? I did, and I wrote stories, yeah, lots lots of books, lots of telly as well, but definitely <laughs> lots of books. Yeah, I wrote stories for fun in this like halcyon age before self-consciousness. I just remember my mum would go out for the evening and I would write a story for her for when she got back and put it on her bed. Yeah, but that sort of lack of angst, which just, I don't know, <laughs> spent the rest of my life, adult life trying to get back to in some way. But um, yeah, no, there was, there was, um, there was tons and tons and tons of, um, uh, t- tons of books, tons of writing. Yeah. Were there any books you particularly loved as a child or was it just you were just reading loads of um, stuff? The Silver Curly by Eleanor Fargin. Wow. Do you know? Are you, no, anyway, that, that was one which I which um, I still think about daily basis too much, but like maybe yeah. on a weekly basis. Um, it's a fairy story set in Norfolk. What else do I love? It's just William books. Yeah, yeah. They keep you going because there's lots of those. Yes. <laughs> and you read them all over and over again. Yeah, yeah. There's they're the two first two which come to mind, but um, okay. I'd read anything I could. And then. I think you started off in journalism. Is yes. that right? Yeah. So I wondered, um, was that kind of your first passion or did you always sort of think, no, actually, I, I kind of want to move on to fiction? You know, what was your kind of route into yeah. becoming a novelist? I think I probably always imagined I would be a novelist at some point. My mum, who is one, made it seem a very 
not only like yeah desirable uh, life, <laughs> life choice, but also quite easy. She makes everything. She's a very sort of. I mean, she, uh, now I know that it's not that effortless, but she made it seem like a very sort of easy and life enhancing profession. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she just used to write in the morning so we never actually saw her work because we'd be at school and so yeah. by the time you came back from school she would be free and so you sort of you know as a child you get the impression that she's been just wafting about all day and she's a very unangsty person so she would leave it behind when she when she stopped writing and she would you know very sociable happy lots yeah. of things which I know necessarily aren't um, often to do with writing, <laughs> to do with writing. <laughs> Um, so it all seemed it seemed like an extremely good idea, um, and I went to journalism because um, didn't have any ideas for books, and I did know enough from her by that point that you've really got to care about what you're writing because you're going to be doing it for at least a year. Like you know, yeah. I, I didn't want to just yeah. find a vague subject and just write a book for the sake of it. And so I waited until I thought I had something to say, and that took about fifteen years. <laughs> and what kind of yeah. journalism were you doing? Um, arts journalism. I worked for the Times as a freelance arts journalist so lots of actor interviews mm-hmm. lots of book reviews did um, you uh, lots of writer interviews did, did lots it, and lots of, did, i had a column called um how i write um uh, in which i interviewed writers and so did any of that me. sort of dent your mother's positive pr on being a writer yeah. talking to writers <laughs> day after day? it did it certainly gave me a wider perspective <laughs> <laughs> it gave me a wider perspective on it um, but i didn't put me off actually i still i think her voice was the sort of the loudest you know in my head i still thought that it was going to be um like Blissful. But now she, I mean, she, she, she I, when I say this, she gets a bit annoyed. I don't think she gets annoyed, but she, <laughs> you know, I think it's just, maybe I wanted to see it. She's just a very positive person yeah. generally, but yes. you know, I think she, she finds writing as difficult as anyone else, but she just doesn't moan about it. Like That's, that's really admirable. It's really admirable. And really rare. I know. <laughs> I mean, I think I saw an interview where you, 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 met, you said something about, you know, writers complaining about being a writer. Yeah. It's, it's a really bad look. And, and I agree, even though it's kind of what writers do mm. a lot. But yeah, I, I was kind of curious about that, about that, getting that very positive sort of impression of writing from your mother. And then I wonder how you portray... Like, are you careful of the way you portray your your working life to your to your son? Or you know, are you sort of conscious of am I making this look too good or too awful? Or? I'm certainly not making it look too good. No, it, I have to say, my son can at the moment anyway. Maybe when he gets older, but um, now he just really, I don't think he's got any aspirations to your writing. He doesn't really know what I do, but he does ask me. It's quite useful because he'll say, "Aren't you finished yet?" Or you know, "What chapter you want?" All those questions which you know yeah. other people like. You should never ask a writer, <laughs> but are quite useful for jolting you and making you realise yeah. do you actually need to finish this thing? Yeah, you're still point. doing that, are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. That's his job. It's a little sort of cattle prod to get me moving. Yeah, that's quite useful. So you've written three novels, all with very different sort of settings, and I was wondering, particularly, like, how do novels start off for you? What what kind of tends to kick off the process for you, or is is there not a general thing? Is it very different for each one? It's usually an image, a location and an image, actually, now I think about it. So my last one, which was called Brixton Hill, was about a prisoner on day release and a relationship, he gets into a relationship with a woman when he's out in the real world. And that was from walking up and down Brixton Hill, visiting someone, and then learning a bit more about Brixton Prison and realising that this long, long hill, where at the bottom of which is London, it's an old Roman road, so you can really see the city kind of glittering at the bottom of the road that this was this thoroughfare for these people who were neither confined nor out like free and so it was that image which started started that and then the the one before that was about expats being trapped in Spain during the financial crisis and that was just you know 
seeing lots of pictures in the news about people kind of again like just talk about moaning you know like trapped in these half-built <laughs> guilty cages and then it's sort of things grow off um expand from that sort of image we not, not always a concrete image but you know just just sort of like an idea or something i've read or something i've seen and then yes it sort of expands from yeah that. are you the kind of writer who has loads of ideas sort of going you know like do you think oh, i've got i've got ideas worth for six novels going ahead of me or do they tend to be quite <laughs> so, i'm glad you're laughing when you're saying that or, does uh, anyone say yes <laughs> your um yeah well some i, I think certainly with um i don't know people i suppose i'm thinking more of like screenplay writers they right. always have tons of different because they have to don't yeah, they yeah yeah and yeah. i think that's why i think i could never do that because i tend to have you know one idea every yeah. decade or something Me too. i'm glad so, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm on your I'm on your side in this um no, I don't have tons of ideas, and um, I don't, in okay. short. <laughs> and that's also why I quite I don't do social media. I, yeah. The idea of just having thoughts or wishes or even even little tiny sort of observations like which you can spare for yeah. social media just. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you need to jealously hoard yeah, that stuff, exactly. and you know, yeah. Yes. Oh, that's that's good to hear. Yeah. You spoke about how the naming of your first novel mm. was kind of. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about that because I can never name novels and I quite like this as an approach yeah so um my first novel was called kiss me first and it's about a youngish woman who pretends to be someone else on social media it was written so when facebook was starting it was just in its ascendancy so a long time ago now but anyway so she takes over someone's life on social media and um, I couldn't think what to call it and my mum said call it kiss me first I've always liked that title and it's got no association with the book at all. And she said, just write it in somewhere. And she, she there was a precedence. I can't remember Elizabeth Taylor, the novelist, who just mm. said, I can't remember what it was, but let's say it was kind of the road to road to Chelsea or something. Mm. And, you know, and all it was was one tiny little line. It's, you know, I'll meet yeah. you on the road to Chelsea. And that sort of justified the whole title. But it didn't actually have much to do with anything to do with the story. And so I took that approach and I just, like, bunged Kiss Me First in as something which this young woman sort of a little catchphrase of hers but anyway you know this is, it, it certainly doesn't encapsulate the book in any way but my aunt said if it's a good title it's a good title and it's yeah i, I think yeah so it was a I massive last actually <laughs> brilliant i i love the idea of just having uh having a little drawer full of potential titles yeah. i used to do that with i used to invent ideal band names mm. I, I can't play any instruments right yeah. but i used to imagine i'd be in a band and so i'd say oh that would be what i'd call my band yeah but the idea of yes saving them it never occurred to me but it's because i'm so bad I, my the only ideas I ever have are really terrible puns. Who yeah. <laughs> would want to read it? You know, awful, awful things. So going back to your first novel as well, yes. I think I read a quote from you where you were saying, I really wanted to engage with what's happening now. Mm. And that's something I really love about your books because they are these very sort of skillfully plotted, engaging page turners. But they're really acutely observed portraits of the way we live now. And they kind of think they really get that grain of contemporary British life. I, I loved, like, you know, in um, Brixton Hill, all the stuff about the charity shop. And mm. I don't know, just it, there's something about that richness that I really like. So I just wondered, did those two attributes, the kind of the sort of plotty side and the beautifully descriptive side, mm. naturally come together? Or, or do you feel yourself more drawn to mm. one than the other? Well, that's really interesting. I definitely like a plot. And again, I think this is something I've inherited from my mum. 
the thought of not having one is just terrifying to me. <laughs> and I know lots of writers hate them. I know like several very good fr- you know, writer friends of mine just think that they're just there's no point to plots whatsoever. And I admire that hugely. But I know I that's the fun bit for me. I must say is the plotting and the detail. I mean, I enjoy it, but that's that just doesn't come as easily. I often have to go to the places and really like. I find it hard to imagine myself in a situation just sitting at my desk. I really, you know, I need to research, and uh, yeah, it, 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 that's more effortful. That's interesting. So, with with plot, how I mean, how did you? I don't know if this is a question you can't. Just one of those stupid mm. questions people ask writers. But I just wonder, how did you develop that command of plot? She's saying that kind of comes more easily to mm. you. Is it just? Do you think just from reading lots of books and kind of being able to see the mechanics of it? Yeah. I think reading lots, listening to my mum, she's mm. a really good storyteller, like yeah. not even just away from her novels, like she just metabolises life into narrative. She's a very entertaining person to be around, and that's why, you know, she just, like, she shapes things, and it comes so naturally to her, and I suppose, I, I mean, I'm not as good as her, but I, uh, <laughs> I'm not nearly as entertaining as her, but I, I think I, I became aware of that, how you can, telling details, or, you know, or like, giving something a satisfying shape, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, so yeah. do you do you plan a lot in advance? Do you kind of know where the plot is going, or are you? One of yeah, I do, just... I do. No, yeah, I do. I do know where it's going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never get carried away or go off. Yeah, I go off and let the characters take me somewhere. It's it's um, I like to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I identify with that. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned there um, about sometimes you need to go and have a look at the place mm. to work, you know, to get that. Did, so. Yeah, I was wondering about research because, like, with the novel set in Spain, did you sort of did you find you had to go out there and kind of explore oh, those, or did, did you just watch a lot of Place in the Sun? <laughs> yeah, I did watch a lot of Place in the Sun. <laughs> like, I do that anyway. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's yeah, making your um, your shameful daytime <laughs> hobby into turning its work. Um, I did go out to Spain and um, to these eerie half-built villa complexes and some ghost towns there, and that was yeah, no, it was really crucial. I mean, it's just. Like so, maybe if I had more imagination, I wouldn't have to. But I did think, yeah, it's just got it's a particularly sort of eerie in in not all of Spain, obviously, but down in certain mm. areas of the coast where they are just complete. You know, these quite almost infrastructure sort of there, but you know, these these playgrounds which have never been used, and yeah, these whole towns are set up for these people who just um, who can no longer afford to be there. It's yeah, it's, it's kind of fascinating. So no, I did, I did, I sat and sort of and drank Irish coffees and wrote in you know <laughs> in, in these sort of echoey hotels in the. On the coast, so, yeah, yeah I did. it's the traditional drink of the <laughs> coast of Spain, isn't it? <laughs> Irish coffee, and yeah, your your books are described as literary thrillers, and as with any kind of label, I've no, no really idea what that means. I'm not even sure. I was thinking about this on the train coming here today that I'm not even quite sure what it is that distinguishes a thriller from a different mm. book because. I mean, they're all kind of thrilling in different ways, mm, aren't they? Mm. But so I, I wonder what you, you felt about that. Kind of is that a helpful way to think about your writing? And also whether you feel that that's an area that you'll probably always inhabit or whether you think, well, no, I might well write something that's completely romantic or mm. completely, you know, mm. what do you feel about that? I agree. I, I'm not sure what a thriller is. I mean, I, I can recognise in other people, but I, I don't think... I think... A, a plot, maybe if it's got a plot, then it's... it's just, mm. I mean, that's what... Yeah. And a bit of suspense, maybe yeah. that makes sense. But they're not, not. I think with my first book, it was marketed as a thriller, and it, it really isn't actually. And I think it's some people, you know, I think that some people were disappointed and may have contributed to it not doing as well as publishers hope because it was sort of yeah, it was. And in America too, they they marketed it as a a thriller, and they had you know big pair of sort of bee stung lips, you know, and a bee like they made it seem like Science of the Lambs or something. It really, really, really isn't. So I think 
it would probably be more helpful for sales if I did choose, say, and was more more um, solidly fit into a, a, yeah. a genre. I can only really write what I... I couldn't imagine just saying, OK, now I'm going to go in a completely different direction and be much more plotty or much less plotty and be much more literary. I just... I just um, I feel only capable of doing whatever it is I do, and yeah. um, and I agree. Like it's it would be, but it would be more sensible to be a bit more directed about it in terms of marketing and selling stuff. But um, I admire people who do that. But saying that, I am actually writing a historical book now, so I am trying something slightly different. Oh, that is quite different. Yeah, because you're sort of contemporary. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And how are you finding that? Like sort of because you were talking about the research, Ellie. Is that yeah, kind of daunting? The research, no, is it? I love it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I could read. It's Victorian. I could read. I, yeah. I mean, my books upstairs. I've just. Um, that's the worry. Also, that you spend your whole time researching and not actually <laughs> not actually writing it. But no, I've, I've really. I think possibly because the world is so mad and upsetting at the moment that just being able to slink back to um, you know a hundred years ago is really. Yeah, it's 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 really surprisingly wonderful. Actually, I was I was um, I did it because I it's just the story I was interested in just happened to be set then. If you sort of mean it wasn't yeah. it, it wasn't I thought now it's time How for I'm historical. Moving into but, the nineteenth century. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I'm I'm really I'm I'm absolutely loving it. But it's a whole new set of skills because you have to you, know, you have to somehow absorb. I mean, Hilary Mantel's obviously like she's mm. a, a supernatural genius, but you know she would. If you look at her, you know, all the Wolf Hall books, they're obviously deeply historical, but she doesn't, they're so close up. You know, she doesn't need to describe the geopolitical landscape or, you no. know, like it's the context because Cromwell doesn't need to, yes, tell, he doesn't yeah, exactly. need to tell himself that. So obviously it's nowhere, not even speak of myself in the same breath as Louis Mantel, but it's been useful to, yeah, you just got to do, you've got to think of neat, different things when you're writing a historical book, which you don't when you're in a world which everyone, you take for granted that people know you don't need to explain at all. Yeah, yeah. It's quite interesting. Do you do you tend to have fallow projects between? You know, are you always writing, or, or, or if not actually writing, mm. always thinking about writing? Or do you have? You know, do you feel bad if you're not writing, mm. as in guilty? Or do mm. you think oh, it's fine? I just write sometimes, and sometimes I don't. Oh, I feel guilty. I feel bad and guilty all the time, completely. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, there's always something vaguely rumbling away. But I mean, I take. I don't know about you, but I take a very long time, like. I take a long time and yeah. I, there aren't that many ideas so I do sort of you know I nurture them for you know they, they're with me for ages and ages and ages so yeah no I there's always something vaguely on the go when you're in a kind of environment where people ask you what you do which mm. for me tends to always be when I'm getting my hair cut and <laughs> do, do you say you're a writer or do you lie I do say I'm a writer I do, I do say I'm a writer why do and you how, do, how does that go I'm curious what other people's experience of this is they say, oh, well, that's like what kind of things? And you say, I write novels. And they're saying, will I have heard of you? That's what, that's, <laughs> that is the question. Will I have read you? And I have no idea how we're supposed to answer that I know, question. I know, I do. I, I just say, I just say no now. I mean, that, you that know. feels rude. If you're saying they're not well read, it's, it's, it's a lose-lose question. I know, but it's just so embarrassing. Because then also, if you've got a slightly, I have to spell my name and you can see oh, them think, you know, it's like it just gets awkward for everyone. They're just like, oh. And then very occasionally people think that they'll, they'll remember and they'll think I'm maybe talking about my mum. And it's, it just leaves an, this innocent question, which they're saying just to pass the time. It just mm. gets just both mired and it's usually easy just to try and cut it off. With the, yeah, well, I, that's why I wonder yeah. if you do not lie. Because I, I have sometimes. I've, right. just, I've just kind of said I'm a teacher or something. Yeah. Something sort of fairly 
something that hopefully will repel further questioning <laughs> but um i should try i just yeah i'm just i'm, I'm not very i'm good at um, dissembling so i just usually if someone asks me a question i usually answer it so blindly but you're right maybe no no time. i think that's admirable i don't want to be the person who encourages you to lie i think that's good but i just it's it's a funny thing how awkward that question is to yeah. answer so a uh, kiss me first was adapted for tv mm. wasn't it i haven't i haven't seen it, actually i'd like no, to see it. i didn't no think <laughs> Is that right? Was it not Netflix? And it, it was, it was. It was Netflix and Channel 4 co-pro, as yeah. they say. And, you know, it was all... It was meant to be a, a big thing. And it just... Um, you know, it was, it was really it was really bold. I say I can say all this because I didn't write the script at all. Yeah. So um, it was really... It was all set in virtual, like, virtual reality. And it was... I mean, it's very, very different from my book. Really different, actually. Okay. Um, to the point where I get sometimes people writing very occasional fan letter um, from people who have seen it and, um, you know, offering me science for dystopian science fiction ideas or inviting me to conferences about... And yeah. I, you know, right. really, it's not... Like, it couldn't, my writing couldn't be less like that. Who knows why things don't work? It just... It just... It just didn't... It just didn't catch fire. But mm. I was really... You know, I was really... Like I said, I sort of admired it from without feeling any kind of sense of personal ownership because it was so, so different. Well, that's, that's interesting. But, I mean, it seems like... All, all three of your books would work really well mm. on screen, I think. Are, are you ever been tempted to go into sort of screenplay writing mm. or that kind of area? Um, I've been tempted. I think it's really... I, I tried to write one once and it was... You get this final draft, this software, which means that whatever you write is put into this format which looks like a script. So it's very easy... I found it very easy to think that I was writing a script. Just kind of like early like wise. One. Yeah, <laughs> just like... <laughs> And you have, you know, beats and you put in all the technical language and it makes you feel kind of cool. Like, you're, this is easy. And right. then it's... But actually, they, it was much, much, much harder than I thought it was going to be. And it was... Ter- in fact, my, what I produced was terrible. So I haven't tried since then. But I, I do think it'd be good to learn it. I mean, I'm, I certainly don't think I could just do it. I could just turn my hand to it. I think it's a whole new set of... Mm set of skills my mum does that too though and she um yeah she does it was she would say she would agree it's a it's a whole different game i'd like to but also then you get lots of other people involved and i think if you're a novelist if you're used to just incubating sort of sloshing around with your own thoughts it's yeah. very different to know that you don't have much time with it alone i think a screenplay before you have to start collaborating yeah. and it's so it's yeah it's a different mode it's quite of alien kind yeah of, yeah with the sort of writers that you love do you, do you feel that they're writers that have inspired you to write or kind of inhibited you from writing? Because, mm. you know, when people say who inspired you, and I think yeah. I'm not sure that the writers I love have inspired me that no, much. No, I'm actually. glad you said that. Yeah, I don't. I just, in fact, I, I'm reading less. When I write, I find it very hard to read at all because I'm either I'm just like, God, what's the point? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with Tessa Hadley or... Anyway, mm. I can think of all, many, many examples of people I really admire. So, yeah, I... I and again, you know, those innocent days of childhood where you just devour stuff and you wouldn't be thinking about your own place within, you know, the yeah. writing world. I, I miss that a lot. I don't write... I don't read in that kind of way hardly ever now. Of pure yeah. sort of abandonment. I wouldn't say it's ruined reading, but it did. I, I wasn't prepared for it. I, yeah, I didn't realise they couldn't coexist very happily. I think that's it, Lottie. Thanks for talking to me. Pleasure. (laughs) Complete pleasure. Thank you. That was Lottie Mogach in conversation with Catherine O'Flynn. You can find out more about Lottie on her website, lottiemogach.com. And that concludes episode 437, which was recorded by Catherine O'Flynn and produced by Anne Morgan. Coming up in episode 438, we take a poetry break with Emily Berry and Julia Copus. 
We hope you'll join us. You've been listening to Writers Aloud, a podcast brought to you by writers for the Royal Literary Fund in London. To subscribe to podcasts and to find out more about the work of the RLF, please visit our website at www.rlf.org.uk. Thanks for listening.